Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 29th of February, and my name is Helen Freer. So Bitcoin broke above the $60,000 mark again yesterday. I'll be speaking, first of all, this morning to Roman Canciani about this and all the latest market news. And Norbert Rucker is also on today's show, and I'll be speaking to him in a few minutes to get an update on energy markets in Europe. But we will start with the market news. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Helen. So I think we should start today by talking about flowers or specifically tulips. Looking at the chart of probably um, the best performing asset in February, which is Bitcoin, up 48%. It reminds me of tulip mania in Holland in the 17th century, one of the most famous bubbles and crashes of all time. What's behind this parabolic rise of Bitcoin in recent weeks, do you think, Roman? And especially this week, what's going on here? Well, indeed, the rally in Bitcoin over the past few weeks has been nothing short of spectacular, with the uh, largest digital asset breaking through the $60,000 mark yesterday for the first time since November 2021. And as Manuel Villegas, our next generation analyst, said in this podcast on Tuesday, the main reason for the rally is simply a supply squeeze with a demand from investors buying the newly launched spot Bitcoin ETFs, wiping out almost all supply of Bitcoin. No wonder there is a, a lot of noise on the news wires about where this could lead. While the European Central Bank warned in a blog that Bitcoin has no intrinsic value, investors seem to think there is more upside for now. But supply shortages aside, some analysts warn that the recent parabolic rise looks a bit like a fear of missing out rally too. Perhaps to go back to your reference to Dutch tulip mania, uh, according to the website Investopedia, the rarest tulip bulbs traded for up to six times the average person's annual salary at the peak of the market. By way of comparison, the average income in the US is currently around 60,000 US dollars. This morning, Bitcoin is trading higher again at around 63,000 dollars when I checked a few minutes ago. Let's change the subject now and talk about stocks and bonds and the latest news moving the more traditional financial markets. Could you start by reviewing yesterday's market action, please, Roman? Yes, of course. Uh, let's start with Europe, where stocks fell for the second day this week. Uh, the stock 600 closed down by 0.4%, with the biggest drags being consumer discretionary, information technology and real estate. Only industrials and financials were generally trading a bit higher. The weakest European market was London, dragged down by companies such as uh, Reckitt Bankeser, which uh, missed sales expectations. The FTSE 100 fell 0.8% to end the day at a 12-day low. In terms of economic data, it was fairly quiet in Europe, uh, with only a couple of new confidence data releases for February, all of which uh, came in lower than expected. And let's turn to the US. In the absence of any meaningful economic data, I noticed that we've had comments from a number of Federal Reserve speakers. What can you tell us there? Yes, that's uh, right. Well, Boston Fed President Susan Collins and uh, New York's John Williams said that an interest rate cut will likely be appropriate later this year. Atlanta's Rafael Bostich was a bit more precise. He expects the uh, first cut sometime this summer. As a reminder, markets currently expect the first cut no earlier than June. Overall, what all three of them made clear is that the Federal Reserve interest rate policy remains data-dependent, so uncertainty will remain front and center for rates markets. U.S. Treasuries yields fell on this news, uh, but are slightly high this morning again, with the two-year trading at 4.65 and the 10-year at 4.27. 
Okay. And how did US stock markets react to all of this? Well, yes, markets closed on a slightly lighter note with the S&P 500 index closing 0.2% lower with a Real estate, financials and consumer discretionary stocks outperforming, while telecoms and technology lagged. The broader, more cyclical Russell 2K index closed 0.8% lower. In corporate news, Apple was lower on news that it was pulling out of its decade-long quest to build an electric car. Uh, instead, the company CEO, Tim Cook, announced at the annual shareholder meeting that Apple would be releasing what he called an amazing news regarding the use of generative AI later this year. So let's see if that uh, puts some froth back on the stock, which is down nearly 6% year to date. And uh, Walt Disney was up 1.3% after signing a deal with uh, Mukesh Andani's Indian conglomerate Reliance to merge its local operations in India, giving it a strong foothold in one of the world's fastest growing entertainment markets. What's been happening overnight in Asia then? I see that Chinese markets are up. Yes, uh, Asian shares are broadly higher this morning, with uh, Chinese stocks leading the way after yesterday's sell-off. Many market participants are looking ahead to the National People's Congress, which starts next week, and expect more measures to be taken to support the world's second largest economy. And in Japan, the yen is slightly stronger and stocks slightly, slightly weaker on news that a Bank of Japan board member has signaled that data is increasingly supporting an end to the central bank's negative interest rate policy. In terms of economic data, however, there is mixed news out of Japan, with industrial production falling by much more in January than expected, but retail sales substantially higher at 2.3% year-on-year compared with the expected plus of 2%. Just finally then, what should investors be looking out for today? Well, yes, today we are expecting the most exciting economic release of the week in the US, the Personal Consumption Expenditure Index, the Federal Reserve's favorite gauge of inflation. After the jump in the consumer and producer price indices in January, this is likely to show once again how bumpy the road back to the Fed's 2% inflation target will be. Forecasts for the year-on-year change here are at 2.4%. So let's see how this plays out. And already this morning, we had German retail sales data for January coming in lower than expected at minus 0.4% month on month. Expected was plus 0.5%. So it seems that Germany's consumer keeps on suffering in the current environment. And uh, finally, maybe the future market currently expects uh, trading in the US uh, to start around the same levels like yesterday. That's it from me. Excellent. Thanks very much, Roman, for the nice roundup this morning. Thank you very much, Helen. Now, Norbert, nice to have you back on the podcast. Good morning, firstly. Good morning. So we haven't spoken in depth about energy markets for a while. Perhaps um, could you start by giving us a quick wrap up of where we stand? Well, if you look at the oil market, there's a bit of a tug of war between bulls and bears. It's the more positive economic outlook that gave some tailwinds uh, recently. But I think the dragon in the room is still China. The structural challenge they have, that should be something that rather puts pressure on prices. If you look at natural gas, there have been continued sharp declines in prices. Uh, Inventors are full. If you look at North America, Europe to Asia, and this oversupply is really putting the pressure on prices. Um, This has some consequences specifically for the third topic, basically, which is European power prices. Um, There we see power prices that are largely back to pre-pandemic levels. So at the speed, if you look back to the energy crisis, that is uh, quite astonishing that we see basically a crisis that has more or less disappeared. 
Now, Qatar has been in the news lately. They've announced another substantial expansion of natural gas exports. What are the implications of this? This has quite some impact, and uh, it's really something that sheds some light on the big story out there in the energy market. Um, We are bracing for some years now of substantial expansions of natural gas exports. We're talking about liquefied natural gas, which can come from anywhere, and um, being shipped around the globe. And uh, Qatar is among the top three producers. The leading producer currently is the United States, uh, followed by Qatar, and then really closely followed by Australia. Um, We are seeing expansions among most of these big three producers. We're seeing substantial expansions coming out of North America and the recent decision to temporarily halt the export permitting doesn't change um, that outlook over the coming years. Uh, We are seeing now even more expansion coming out of Qatar, but we also see an expansion actually currently this year already uh, from Africa with some new terminals coming online and even from Russia where the sanctions are not really biting. And this story about more supply, any supply on the market, is really something that lastingly should keep prices under pressure. So overall then, where do we see energy prices heading? Well, from a European perspective, it's really the energy crisis that seems to be over. And it seems a confirmation that this was all about cyclical shocks, cyclical dynamics, not really structural scarcities. But to give you an example, um, if you are an industrial user, even a household, and you sign a new contract for electricity, you're getting more or less rates and tariffs that are at the level seen before the pandemic. The main story is really the one how the market shifted completely quickly from scarcity cyclically to abundance and that you have substantial investments. And I think the Qatar news exactly highlights that. There's substantial investments into energy overall. What we're also seeing is more broadly a quick growth in clean energy and then also some more marginal factors such as Japan having a partial slide nuclear revival. So all these aspects together really point at going forward period towards 2030, basically, where we see uh, sufficient supplies and lasting pressure on prices. Uh, That said, there's been the temporary weather element has been comparably mild uh, this winter, not only in Europe, but also in North America and Asia. This explains some of the recent downside we had on prices. This is something temporary, but nevertheless, going forward, we think that the price levels should more or less stay at the the current levels, if not see some slightly more downside. So we stick to our cautious view that we have on natural gas, which also means more downside for European energy prices. That's it from our side. Very good. Thanks very much, Norbert. Good to speak to you again this morning. So that is it for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow. I'll be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, 
where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.